Hello and welcome to another um, podcast on Prepared to Answer. It's so good to have everyone with me today. Uh, it's been a little while since I've been on recording here. Um, I would say that um, certainly it's been parts of me have just been really wanting to get up and um, talk about some ideas, talk about things that's been going on. As always, there's plenty going on there and um, maybe some good, maybe some not so good things going on in my life. Um, you know, some things that keep you very busy that you maybe rather not always be doing but that is the nature of life. I think I may need to look back to my own other podcasts that I've done previously about persevering uh, whenever th- everything's not uh, going perfectly for you but guess what uh, reality is that's going to be the way until the very end. Everything's not going to be perfect but um, all the more reason to, to seek answers and seek help and seek help from the only one that can give it um, which is God of course it's our creator uh, the great designer, uh, the one that we need to go to when we're in trouble. And I'm um, just reading the Gospels at the moment, actually, just reading through um, John at the moment. And I'm just really struck by just Jesus and his calls for people to follow him, um, for his willingness to, you know, give out hard teachings that made people drift away from him. Um, he was happy to do that. But for the genuine seeker, they would always find an answer. They'd, they'd always find hope. He was reaching out to the woman at the well, saying, you know, I'll give you something that will stop you ever thirsting again. And he talked about being the bread of life, you know, all the I am, statement, I am statements. So just really enjoying that at the moment. But um, the question today, or uh, the sort of um, podcast, what it's about today is, is sort of whenever someone says, and I know I've sort of addressed this before, but there is no evidence for God, or there's no evidence for God, or they say something that makes belief in God sound illogical, or not very consistent, or kind of wish fulfillment, or just pie in the sky. So somebody makes that claim, and I suppose the title of today's blog, <coughs> podcast, sorry, um, is just simple, or sort of je- lots of reasons why um, belief in God is logical and consistent. So, um, reasons to believe in God, if you like, reasons to defend the faith. Um, so I've kind of a few reasons. I've ten reasons today, and I'm going to do this. I have an accompanying sort of notes um, to put alongside this on my actual blog itself, which is www.preparedanswer.wordpress.com. That's preparedanswer.wordpress.com. So, um, some of the things I would say then. So, but what this is today really is just ten simple things that we can say or keep in our mind. You're not going to remember all of them, but ten things that we can say in response to that claim, however implied or not implied, or said explicitly by someone that our faith's not logical. And I mean, I'm I'm, I'm talking to people today who uh, maybe many of us feel know it is. Uh, but maybe I just can't articulate why it is. Or maybe I can in a couple of ways, but then I don't know what else to say. Or maybe some people out there like me, um, we have a very strong faith, but I just don't know how to can try and tell anybody that it's logical. In fact, I just don't know how to say it. I don't know how to explain it. Uh, or maybe, and that there are people out there like this, you maybe just feel like, I just can't, I don't even know if it is logical myself. I just, I, I really know I kind of believe, but I, I don't know. Is it really logical? It absolutely is logical. Um, the idea that we believe in a designer, an intelligent mind, an unembodied mind, there's different ways to describe God. And you may notice that I'm using these terms which sound a bit um, more abstract than normal, as if I don't believe in a God that, you know, that Jesus was God in the flesh. I do. But when you're talking to someone who uh, maybe doesn't believe in, obviously, Jesus being who he claimed to be, 
And in fact, they're an atheist. So the starting point is to talk about the idea of something is behind the creation of the universe. I'm going to look at some of them reasons in a moment. We don't need to convince them at that point that Jesus was God in the flesh. What we're trying to do is suggest that, you know what, there is something behind this world. And that's the starting point. So anyway, uh, I've went on enough here. There's 10 simple sort of, as I say, reasons that we can give or reasons that we can think about ourselves to use when talking to someone when they say, belief in God's illogical, there's no evidence for God or something along them lines. So number one, why does anything exist? So the very idea that anything at all exists rather than nothing, uh, the reason that we are fixated with questions of purpose. Why are we here? Where are we going? It's historically been the search of all men and women throughout the world, throughout history, of finding out um, both bodies of science and study devoted to these subjects of trying to answer these questions. We are we are higher, we have a higher level of conscience than most of the animal kingdom around us. And so we need to figure out our purpose. We need to figure out why we're here. We constantly ask these questions all the time. And you know what? If we are, as Richard Dawkins says, simply molecules in motion, then that doesn't explain this. If we are simply biological accidents, that doesn't explain why we are so um, constantly on the search for answers like this. So, um, And as C.S. Lewis said it, the only explanation as to why I feel like I've an inner, inner sort of hole in my soul, if you like, or I, the reason I feel like I was made for another world is that we are actually made for another world. The reason that nothing fits in this world and I keep searching is we're made for another world. So again, first thing, why does anything exist at all? Why are these questions even here that we constantly keep asking? And there's a lot more than that. But second point, second one is origin of the universe. So as we know it, cosmological argument, everything which begins to exist has requires a cause. Um, we don't accept... Um, you know, this is the obvious scientific fact. Everything begins to exist, has a cause for its existence. Um, evolution cannot explain the origin of the universe, the Big Bang, the first cause. And the, the idea that there was an intelligent mind behind the universe which came into being, came into being so well finely tuned as we're going to look about in a minute, the idea that an intelligent mind was behind the universe is a very logical explanation. And in fact, this is a contentious one because very often the non-believer will very rarely have an explanation. Um, so anyway, the idea of an intelligent mind behind the universe is a very logical explanation. And you know, at this point, there is no other satisfactory explanation of first cause. And this is not, we can get into this again some other time, this is not a God of the gaps argument. We haven't just introduced God at this point because we have nothing else, to, nowhere else to go with it. But we've looked at the evidence which has faced us from the day we are born we look at the trees around us, we look at the universe above us, we look at the perfect set of circumstances that we seem to be existing in, and we realise that this all infers design. It's a very logical conclusion to come up with. Um, number three, uh, we are in a complex and finely tuned universe. Um, there was a perfect set of initial conditions to bring the universe into being. So that, you know, hundreds of thousands of a millisecond at the point of the Big Bang, conditions were so perfect as to create life um, that and sustain life that you would consider them to be quite miraculous, in fact. Um, and in fact, the anth uh, anthropic principle, um, which is, there's many of them, which are things like the measurements of gravity, atmospheric gases, the expansion rate of our universe that it continues to expand, 
and our own position in the cosmos, all these things would indicate that we live in a very finely tuned universe. And guess what? It's perfectly logical to believe that someone was behind all this. Someone outside of a human being, of course. And you can look it up for further study, um, a thing called the Goldilocks Zone, which describes that we're sitting in just the perfect place that we need to be sitting for life to be as it is today. So again, perfectly logical, based on that argument, a third one, that there was an intelligent mind behind our universe. Fourth point, uh, morality. So morality, everybody knows that there is such a thing as right and wrong. We get this growing up, we kind of hits us about... 10, 11, 12, some of, us, some of us maybe a little bit later, some of us as men in our, our 30s are still figuring it out, but um, we, we realise there's a right and wrong. But that's not all, that's not where it stops. Not only do we know this, but we try to hold everybody else to the same standard. If it's just subjective or environmental or cultural, when why do I expect everybody else to act the same way? Even if they don't come from my, from my culture and they skip me in a queue and when I'm waiting to get some food... I wouldn't be too happy about that and vice versa. And like like all of you out there, if you see someone acting in a way that you think isn't right, guess what? You say something. You get inwardly frustrated. You think that's not acceptable. The best explanation is an external standard is the best explanation. There is an objective standard out there. Uh, I mean, in fact, most of us know we don't even meet our own standard. And and as a point I've wrote on my, my blog is that the entire justice system is based on the idea that there's an objective standard that we can all know. So that's the fourth point, morality. The fifth point, change lives. So testimony. Millions of people have claimed that their lives have been transformed. And I'm one of them. That testify to the power of Jesus in their life. Um, and this is the very incredible point. I've said this many times before. 11 of the 12 apostles who followed Jesus on the earth. Especially chosen people who denied him. Um, you know, ran away from him. And yet, 11 of 12 of them were killed for their beliefs. They could have recanted and not been killed, and yet none of them did. And the 12th one, John, was actually willing to be killed, but, but actually wasn't. And they went to their deaths willingly. To change lives, people's lives transformed. Um, the resurrection then, evidence for the resurrection, is incredible. It's truly incredible and has convinced many, many people. There's hard evidence historically that's accepted by most, some case, some bits of these evidence is accepted by all, but certainly most secular non-Christian historians accept that the apostles claimed to have seen Jesus risen. Not only did they claim it, but they actually, the tomb was found empty as well. And they all confirmed the same evidence. I would say there's many, many more evidences on that. I'm going to talk about that more in the future. But again, the resurrection. Evidence from history which confirms the details of the resurrection. Um, Also seven, um, evidence from miraculous Jesus. So not only historians all know that he existed. No one's going to argue with that, I hope. Um, But his enemies, Jesus' very enemies, confirm that he was a doer of miracles. How do we know this? Well, Josephus, um, Jewish Talmud, Tacitus, Suetonius... And there's a few others there, but many of them describe that Jesus was a doer of miraculous deeds. They claimed that he was doing them by sorcery, a bit like in the New Testament. They claimed that he was doing them by the power of the devil in some cases, but they claimed that nonetheless. They said that Jesus was a doer of miraculous deeds. And these were his enemies. That was not a great thing to say about your enemy. If you want to put a stop to them, if you want to put a stop to this movement, 
Um, but they actually claimed, yeah, and they agreed with the fact, and some of them agreed, I mean, not all of them said that, but some of them agreed and wrote about that Jesus was not only historically accurate, character but also that he did miraculous deeds so evidence from the miraculous jesus again there's all the references there mara serapion um plenty the younger thalus phlegon lucian of samosara uh, and there's others i mean that's maybe nine or ten there again non-christian references of people who can confirm the historical jesus and in some of the cases can confirm that he did miracles and they're his enemies remember that they are his enemies number eight DNA, so dioxyribonucleic acid, don't have to say that very often, uh, but DNA, so four chemicals which contain the code of the instruction for the body parts that we currently have today. Um, they're within a tiny space in every cell in our body, there's three billion letters, you cannot get our heads around this, three billion letters in every cell in our body. This is evidence of clear design um, this this evidence of clear design conferred a, a leading atheist and debater of his day, a man, doctor called Anthony Flew, and was converted on the basis of DNA. He debated Gary Habermas, many other um, famous apologists, he debated them. Um, and I think Gary Habermas had done a, a talk with him, a debate with him one time. And at the end of the debate, he turns around to the Christian, Gary Habermas, who writes about the resurrection and says, I have no evidence for my position. As an atheist, debating against Christians says, I have no evidence for my position. And it was DNA that made him turn around and say, the evidence from DNA tells me intelligence must have been involved. It simply must have been involved. So he's converted on the basis of DNA. Uh, prophecy, number nine, prophecy. Thousands of, we have thousands of fulfilled prophecies in the scriptures. They're specific. I talked about this recently in a, in a talk on, it's online. You can view that online. But there's specific details, specific dates that are confirmed by unbiased sources. Again, evidence from hostile witnesses that confirm the fulfilled details. Um, and again, these books that they were written before the prophetic event, before the date, have all been helped by the discovery of the Dead Sea Scrolls. Again, you can see a lot more of this on my blog, a lot more about prophecy that's number nine. But number ten is the simple, and again, I'll only very, this very succinct, but there's a lot you can say that about the fact that the Bible is the best attested ancient book that we have today. If we're going to discount the Bible, we discount every book because it's the best attested. The time between the events and the writings down is smaller than any other book. Um, they were all written down about between AD 40, AD 95. You know, no more than 20 or 30 years after the events themselves. We have more manuscripts than any other ancient book. And in fact, as we've often heard it said, many of them added together, the volume of manuscripts added together, doesn't match our New Testament. Have greater than 29,000 manuscripts of the New Testament. And it's second to none in accuracy. We have discoveries in old manuscripts that turn up and that we can date it back to the original manuscripts. And we realize there's about 99.5% accuracy in transmission. A few changes in words here, Jesus Christ instead of Christ Jesus. A few words have been left out, a few changes with the language. Nothing that makes any bearing on the actual, the, the actual message itself has not been changed in, um, in any way. Uh, any, any suggestions that the message has been changed, then in, in, in brackets at the bottom of your Bibles, you'll see another written bit 
um, just detailing what alternatively had been said before. Again, showing there's very little difference. So what this is all about today is someone says there's no evidence for God or you feel or whatever they've said has made you feel like belief in God is not logical um, or I don't know how to prove that it's logical. This is just 10 points today on, you know, to help us to show that belief in God is logical and consistent. Um, again, why does anything exist at all? Um, the origin of the universe, cosmological argument, that we are in a complex and finely tuned universe, um, that we um, know about morality, right and wrong. We know from the experience of people whose lives have been changed. We understand that it's logical and consistent because of the evidence for the resurrection, evidence for Jesus and for that he was a doer of miracles, evidence from DNA, complex, you know, complex DNA, um, from fulfilled prophecy and also that the Bible is the best to test the ancient book. So I'll put a little bit of the notes on as well. You can read through them and just commit them, some of them to memory. I don't remember them all myself at the right time. You kind of panic. But if, with repetition, we repeat and use these things. Eventually they start to seep into our mind. So hopefully some of these today, we can pick out maybe two or three of them that we'll use that we can elaborate, look into them a bit more. It's very, very brief today. So we'll look into them a bit more. Please drop me any comments you have on any of this. Please drop me any um, questions you have, anything you'd like me to cover in the future. But hopefully this can help us to go out with confidence that we are, we believe in a God and it's a logical belief. Um, you know, it is about faith, but we do have evidence to back up the foundation for that faith. Many thanks for listening today and I'll be back again with you soon.